everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee, and sorry for the slightly late start. So we're going to run straight through the first break today. I am a sex and intimacy coach and psychologist, and I have spent the last 30 plus years helping people create hot and healthy sexual and intimate relationships. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. I'm on location in Los Angeles today before I head to Desire Leather Women's event in Palm Springs. Today, the letter is R, and R is for restraint. Restraints of all types can increase the intensity of sexual experience. Restraints can be physical, like handcuffs, chain, or rope, or they can be psychological. For example, don't move or else, or don't come or else. Each type has its advantages and disadvantages. Joining me to talk all about restraint is my husband, Terrence Scott. Terrence Scott has been a percussionist since 1973, beating on anything that will make a sound and on which he can build an enticing rhythm. He's taught workshops on building a human drum circle and has expertise in raising sexual energy through the use of percussion and rhythm. He's been with me for the last 10 years, and we've been married for the last four and a half. Welcome to the show. Well, hello. How you doing, honey? I'm doing okay. You see, my, my wife is not home. Yeah, that's true. So I'm over here in uh, sunny L.A. Um, so let's talk. Let's start out with physical restraints. It's, a, it's an interesting um, concept, using restraint. People often think that that, that, that is something that is um, restricted to being into BDSM play. But actually, restraint can be just holding someone down. Yes. And that really is probably my, my favorite type of restraint, is actually being held down by somebody's body rather, rather than accoutrements. The actual method of restraint isn't always about an object. Mm -hmm. the, the human body makes a very good object for restraining people. If, if the top is stronger, then they just have the physical strength to hold the bottom in place. Indeed, but you don't even need to be recognizing consciously a power exchange. No. Um, I, I think about people who wrestle with each other. Exactly. Or people who are primal. Um, and so um, they're, they're kind of competing for who's going to be in the top spot from a primal, primal perspective. Yes. At, at, and for those of you who are not familiar with the idea of primal, well, it, it comes from the animal kingdom. So we're looking at, you know, it, it means bringing us back to our base most basic um, needs and desires. And so most people who play primarily are looking back to those more animalistic urges. So um, things like rope. Let's talk rope for a bit. Let's talk rope. Rope as restraint um, is one thing. Um, rope has become, is, is also art form. Rope as restraint is also yes. art form. So shibari, kimbaku, or Japanese forms of rope um, have an entire ritual to them. Yes. And an entire, um, they, are, they are works of art. And for yeah. anybody, go ahead, sorry. It's not just tying somebody up. Mm -hmm. you, 
you're making them an art piece. Yeah, you're creating a piece of art. The whole tying process, which is often rather slow. Yes. Um, is erotic. Yes, because it's not, it's, it's not just the restraint itself. Yes. It's the feel of the rope being placed on you. And it's, it's a, mm-hmm. the energy involved in that control in doing it just so. It's, it, it's not something you can rush. And that is, and it's incredibly intimate. And there is that connection between the person who is doing the tying and the person who is being tied. For those of you who would like to um, delve more deeply into this subject, I can highly recommend Midori's work on the art of rope bondage. Um, uh, she is um, extremely accomplished and, um, and her style in communicating is very accessible. So th- that's, I can recommend that from the point of view of, of looking at her written work, but also should you have the opportunity, if she's going to be doing a demonstration local to you or she's going to be doing a class local to you, I would highly recommend attending. Uh, I know that she's doing some work with the Rope Dojo, so you can look them up. And I believe there is something upcoming in, in Baltimore, Maryland. And there's certainly something upcoming coming in Ottawa, Canada, and also San Francisco, California. Now, on the subject of a rope, here's something that just came, came to mind. Most of us have actually had some experience with rope as kids playing mm-hmm. pilot. Yes, yeah, that certainly was my first experience with rope, was as a child playing with yes. my friends where we played pirate. And yes, because you always tie up the damsel. That's you right. Tie it to the mast. That's right. Absolutely. Or, you know, or Simon Legree, you tie her to the railroad tracks. We, rope and restraint have been a part of people's psyche forever. Yeah, and the play, and the play is always fun. So this is a different kind of tying. This is a kind of tying where the art of it doesn't matter. This is a much right. more more rough and ready. It's, it, it, it can be part of a role play as an yes. adult as well. Uh, yeah, I had the opportunity um, to observe that kids still do that a number of years ago um, at a birthday party um, when uh, we, you remember this, don't you? I do. <laughs> Uh, and and uh, my son's birthday party where the, the uh, kids were running around and, and taking slaves and tying them up. And tying them up and uh, leading them around bound. And, yes. and leading them around bound. Now, this was qu- quite a number of years ago. They were much younger. This was something that is, it, it's in the group consciousness. You know, it, it's part of the group consciousness. Um, and, um, and it still surfaces. And the people who were being led around by the rope were, Giggling and laughing, which is not actually what you expect when you're tied up and being led around no, by rope, right? But but, at, but as kids, you don't grasp the greater implication behind having a captive. Indeed, indeed. So um, it, it can be an awful lot of fun to take that part of restraint and bring it into adulthood with the same enjoyment. So not, I think, I think people forget that laughter and um, intimacy actually do go together and that there is absolutely nothing wrong with laughing as part of sexual play. Um, People worry very much about whether if they laugh, they're going to insult somebody. 
obviously laughter at certain moments can be um, cutting rather than fun. But if you expect to do a role play without ever giggling, it's a bad expectation. Sometimes things just strike you as funny. Sometimes laughter comes from nervousness. And sometimes, sometimes things just don't go well. You know, you have an elaborate thing in your mind. And when you try and act it out, it just doesn't work. Yes. And the best way of relieving the the tenseness of the situation is to laugh. Indeed. Laugh it off. Laugh it off and hold on. Yes. Indeed. And there is absolutely nothing, nothing wrong with that. Um, and and, and it, it can also be a lot of fun. Um, I, I was never very fond of rope. Uh, there are different types of rope, obviously. Um, hemp is quite good to use. Silk rope can be quite good to use. Um, mm-hmm. Cotton, rope, jute. Yeah, yep. cotton, yeah, cotton and jute. I, I would avoid, and, and, and newbies often don't know this, I would avoid things that have acrylic and, and plastic stay, in them. Stay away from nylon. Yeah, stay away from nylon. They're really, not only are they very painful, but they're not very easy to get out of when you need to yes. get out of it. And, they, and they, abrade, they abrade the skin far too easily. Yeah, and I mean, while a mild abrasion is not a big deal, if it came about as part of a scene, it being torn to shreds is upsetting and often, yes. and, and will interrupt a situation. Yes, which is easy to do with most of the synthetics, yes. And it's really important that you get adequate training in doing restraint of any kind. Um, There are risks. There are health risks. And if you don't know what you're doing and you don't know what questions to ask the person that you're planning on, if you're being the the tie planning on tying up, um, you could end up in in a health crisis, which is definitely a buzzkill. You need to know about circulatory problems, joint problems. Yep. You, you also need to know about things like whether or not somebody becomes faint when you keep their hands above their head for too long. Yes. Because quite a few people do have that as an issue um, and they'll pass out on you, which is not a lot of fun either. Um, not when they're tied. No. No. And the other thing is you should always have a quick release kit. Yes. So you should know about you should take lessons and know about tying. You don't want to just use a standard knot. You should know where to tie. So tying directly on a joint, for example, is a no-no. And then you should have a kit that has the appropriate scissors to be able to cut through if necessary. Yes. So moving on from rope, bondage tape is very popular these days. Oh, yes. So bondage tape is tape that is made specifically for binding. Again, it tends to be easier to cut through. The, um, the glue on it isn't um, as abrading as, for example, if you decided to use gaffer tape or duct tape. Those are both the same thing, guys, the different words for them. Um, and, uh, so it's, and it's got a, a strength to it, but also a give to it. Yeah. The, the higher quality bondage tape actually does not have an adhesive. It sticks to itself. Right. Which right. means you then don't have the problem with adhesive. Right. So you're not pulling hair off somebody's arms. No. Um, which, which, let me tell you, with gaffer tape and duct tape, you are doing. Now, yeah. some, sometimes that's part of the sadist's fun. Yes. Right? Um, and they get consent, and so they use the sticky stuff, and it hurts about as much as it hurts when we wax. 
So gals, if you're used to waxing, guys, if you're used to waxing, anybody who's used to waxing. And, and, and for those DYI people, uh, uh, a big roll of saran wrap is a joy to behold. All right. Okay. But let's talk about that in a second. So if, you want, if you're into DIY, you're probably going to get gaffer tape or um, duct tape. So you need to know about the relative risks and, and issues with that. Yes. Saran wrap is a different thing. Saran wrap isn't, um, isn't the kind of restraint we were just talking about. Saran wrap oh, is, no. is usually used for things like mummification. That's intense level of restraint. Um, yeah. And that intense level of restraint is a completely different kettle of fish. However, it can, if, if you aren't ready to step up to gaffer tape, it works very well for, for, say, binding arms to sides, binding legs together. You don't have to go for an entire mummification. True. And trust me when I say you're not getting out of it. True, but it's hot and uncomfortable and yuck, really. This but, is just a personal opinion. But see, that, that may be part of what the top is going for. Perhaps, perhaps, but it's distracting. Um, and it, often you don't want your person distracted from the rest of the action by a little niggle. It's like... When you've, when you've restrained somebody, there are times where they'll start to go numb, which you need to know, right? Because yes. you want to release somebody from what, anything that's so tight that they're going numb or they're getting pins and needles. That kind of, an, of, of, a, of a sensation is a distraction. It's not the pain that you're looking for in that circumstance. It's just a straightforward distraction. Um, Let's see. So let's talk a bit about um, mummification and why you might want to do that as part of restraint. So this is something that actually people do not just for restraint, but for sensory deprivation. And so why might you want to do sensory deprivation at all? What's the value in doing something like that? So I ask people to do a little experiment. Do a little experiment. Close your eyes and see what you can hear around you. Notice how your other senses are more readily grabbed when you take away vision, which is the one that we use the most. So think about what would happen if we close our eyes and somebody blocks our ears and we have no way of knowing where something is coming from, where someone's coming from. That's what sensory deprivation can be like. Sensory deprivation frees your mind to go wherever it wants to go because you have no immediate clue. True enough. And it's also used quite a lot for um, meditation and relaxation. But when used in play, it's something different entirely. Yes. Yeah, when you, when you add restraint to something like sensory deprivation, you... You have to keep in mind that you may be taking to somebody to a place that's for them might be triggering. Right. That could be a very dark place for somebody. Right. That's one that you need. You do need to be quite careful with. So and it's not just the, the looking to see if body parts are numb. You need to be able to, to every now and then 
put that hand on their chest. And if that heart is hammering like, like, a, ham like a hamster, it might be time to let them out. Yep. Yeah, and that, that's also a reminder that before you do anything like this, you want to have a good long discussion with somebody yes. and know and know a bit about them before you um, engage in some of the more extreme things. It's one thing to put somebody in a pair of handcuffs, right? That can be triggering too, but yeah. but that's one that can be easily undone quickly. It's another thing to wrap somebody up in saran wrap and put a hood over the head. Yeah, find, finding out that their parents used to lock them up in a closet after the fact. Not good. Not such a good idea. That's right. So it can be quite it can it can be quite a tricky one to do. But also, when uh, people who enjoy this will say that they go amazing places because they're not being distracted by anything else in the environment. Yes, uh, and they're totally focused on the sensations and the experience that they're having, part of the time in their own head and part of the time with the other person. Um, yes. So it's a pretty. It can be a pretty amazing amazing experience. Now, we are a few minutes from break, and um, in the next half, we're going to talk about chains, handcuffs, um, other forms of restraint, and self-restraint, as well as um, restraint that doesn't involve any physical bonds imposed by another. And I'm going to remind you that if you've got any questions, you should please phone in or email. There is no such thing as a stupid question. I'm really happy to answer questions. So please feel free. I'd also like to remind you that it's getting quite close. If you want to sign up for Naughty in New Orleans, that's July 24th to 28th. You should head over to the sexylifestyle.com travel and events page. This is the largest lifestyle convention for couples in the world. There's over 1,300 couples. And the event is not only a full takeover of two of the French Quarter's biggest hotels, but it also takes over Bourbon Street. It's a lot of fun. You should register as soon as you can. Believe it or not, it's coming much more quickly than we think. July is not that far away. So head over to, again, the Sexy Lifestyle pages, and it's the business page, Travel and Events, that you'll find that on. We will be back in just a couple of minutes after a word from our sponsors, and we'll talk more about restraint and restraints. Craving more from your sexy lifestyle? Search our businesses, services, blogs, articles, and videos. And keep in touch with us by subscribing to our newsletter. All on thesexylifestyle.com. Maximize your orgasms and just let go. The Throes of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket guarantees to keep your sheets dry, no matter how wet it gets. From massage oils to lubes and beyond, we've got your bed covered. So just throw it down and get it on and get lost in your very own Throes of Passion. Then toss it aside and bask in the afterglow of great sex in warm, dry sheets. The all-new Naked Fleece provides a soft and sexy playscape, while the stay-dry barrier protects your bed, your couch, and even your carpet. It's machine washable, large enough to cover a king-size bed, and light enough to travel discreetly. To get your own Throes of Passion waterproof pleasure blanket, visit thesexylifestyle.com and order yours today. That's thesexylifestyle.com. Great sex starts now. 
When the lights are off, that's no reason not to light things up. Lube Light lets you pop its cap for instant illumination so your lube gets applied to all the sweet spots and never the awkward ones. No more slippery midsection, unless you're into that. You can keep it turned on while you're getting down with your partner. Our ambient lighting is soft enough to never blind while you're doing the grind. No matter what lube gets you vibing, it's compatible with Lube Light. Easier to turn on than your last partner, guaranteed. Get yours today at lubelights.com. Also available on Amazon and SheVibe. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drlorybethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey everybody, welcome back to the A to Z of sex. And this week, R is for restraint. And my husband, Terrence Scott, is joining me to talk all things restraint. And before the break, I said we would come back and talk about some of the metal things that you can use for restraint. Um, so chains. Um, there's something about chains, um, all different kinds of chains. It's not just the fact that they're made of metal, but the different weights that really can, I think, deepen an experience. And some people hate chains and love rope, and other people hate rope and love chains. I'm, I'm, um, I'm far more uh, um, attracted to chains than I am to rope. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know you do. I enjoy it. Uh, I enjoy the weight of them, but not too heavy. Although that can be fun at times too. I also enjoy the different ways of employing restraint with chains. So, for example, if you've got somebody that you give a waist chain to that they're wearing under their clothing, that nobody would know that they were wearing this waist chain. It is something that they can feel. So it is. It's something to eroticize the day that isn't necessarily visible to the outside world. Um, and it is, um, and yet it can bring all sorts of sensations and imagery yes. just by being there. It's more of a psychological restraint than it is a physical restraint. It's not stopping you from doing anything. Mm-mm. No. But it's, it's more a reminder of the power of the person who put it there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and that can be a lot of fun. There's also, and I, and I didn't mention this before the break, but it, it comes to mind now, so we'll talk about this. So there's, we were talk about restraint that doesn't have any physicality to it in a minute, but um, sometimes there's restraint like chastity belts for men and for women. And in case um, you've never experienced any of those and you're listening, so chastity belts for women just make the vulva and, and vagina less available make it impossible to insert anything into the vagina. Some of them have an insertable as part of the belt. Um, And chastity belts go back um, donkey's years. You know, we're talking thousands. And um, there are some great examples in some of the sex museums around the world of of, of chastity belts. And some of them are pretty horrific. Some of them had um, things that that were inserted in the vagina that were um, painful. Yes, some had teeth. For the person, but some of them had teeth. Yeah, some of them had things that weren't painful for the woman, so the teeth didn't face inwards, but there were teeth. So if anybody did try to put 
a penis in there, they'd get shredded. So they were serious chastity belts. There's also, for men, cock cages, where it, it's, a, it's a little, literally a metal or plastic cage that's locked around the penis. So the penis isn't going anywhere. So that's another form of restraint. Um, again, a more intimate form of restraint. And one that has an impact usually daily because rarely do you put someone in, in chastity for, you know, an hour a week. If you're putting them in, no, if you're putting them in chastity, you're usually putting them in chastity or they're putting themselves in chastity because some people do that um, usually on a daily basis. And so it's something that the person is always aware of. And, um, Part of the value of that is that means that they are always aware of the, um, they're always aware of themselves sexually. They're always aware of whatever commitment they've made and, and the reason for this, this chastity. So there's that. Not something I would enjoy doing, um, but some people swear by them. Some people think they're absolutely wonderful reminders um, and that they add another level of um, eroticism. Yes. On a daily basis. But we were talking chains. And I think the thing about chains is there's so many different things you can do with them. Yes. As you said, you can do the waist chain, which is not a restraint in and of itself. It's no. a reminder of the restraint. But you there can are, mm-hmm, go ahead. Sorry, are, you can chain someone to the bed. You can chain someone in a closet. You can you can put a manacle around their legs with a chain and a ball. Yep. Or long chains in a house. Snake um, moan. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Just enough to make it to the door. Yep, but not get out. Yes. <laughs> Now, yeah, um, yeah, that that one was made very popular in Black Snake, Snake, Black, Black Snake Moan and um, had probably unintended effects on, on many people. Yeah. Um, Especially delivery boys. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other, I mean, and the other thing about that, though, is that sometimes, for example, you, um, you could chain somebody with chain that is not very heavy, so they, ha- they have movement. Um, enough movement between their legs so that they can walk. Yes. But they're not going to run anywhere. So you're, you're effectively hobbling them, but not hobbling yeah. them so much that they can't move. And so they can go about their daily business as long as they're not leaving the home. Obviously, you couldn't do that if you were out in the street. Doesn't work very well in the public eye. No, it wouldn't look very good. Uh, people would get worried. <laughs> That's usually the thing. People are worried that somebody's being hurt or, right? Um, and so that's... You know, that's another utility of chain. Also, there are some really cool um, structures that people create with chain. So restraint is often used um, if you're going to a fetish club or a dungeon. You restrain somebody in order to then administer some form of beating or spanking or whipping or flogging, right? Um, And so there are many pieces of equipment that people are restrained on. Sometimes they're restrained because you just want them to keep out of their hands and out of the way. Sometimes they're restrained because you, you want them not to move because if they move, you might hit a part of their body that um, 
would cause damage and you wouldn't want to do that. So if you have them held in one place, then they can't dance and move too much. Some people are quite capable of not dancing, others not so much. It depends on what the situation is. But for example, the St. Andrew's Cross, okay, guys, it looks like a big X. Um, often we'll have restraint points at the top parts of the X and the bottom parts of the X. It might have something in the middle that you can restrain around. Um, but there are also, in many places, spider webs that are built out of chain where you can additionally chain people to them or restrain people to them in all sorts of different ways. And those are quite cool in part because it allows many more different positions than an X does. Yes. But also because um, of the temperature thing. And so that's the thing about chain. Chain conducts temperature. So chains can be quite cold and that can be a lot of fun. They can also get warm up quite a bit, and that can be fun, but you also need to, to watch that, that you don't end up with superheated change. You can change the temperature of chains. You can you dr- drop it in a bucket of ice water. You can touch it with a violet wand. Yes, that was the next one. I knew you were going there. <laughs> of course I was going there. Right. So chains conduct electricity, and for those of you who don't know what a violet wand is, it is a tool to allow you to conduct small amounts of electricity to the body. Violet wands are um, often made for probes that are glass, although some of the modern ones are plastic, that are glass. But there are probes that are um, metal, that sting a heck of a lot more. Um, and you can, you can, you can conduct through the chains. And so then you get a far more electrifying experience at a lower level of buzz, but a wider area of buzz. So there's a lot of stuff when you look at the materials that you're using for restraint, it makes a difference. No discussion of restraint is complete without talking about things like bits and ball gags. Yes, indeed. Gagging is a way of stopping someone's voice, obviously. Gagging is a way of silencing someone. Um, It is also often seen as incredibly humiliating. So you may not really want to silence them. You may not care. But if you want to add that dose of, of, of erotic humiliation, gags work very well. It's a way of stopping people from biting you, too. Yes, um, and so there is, you know, different kinds of gags that we use as restraint. People will, um, the, one of the probably most popular ones is to ball up somebody's underwear and stick them in their mouth and then tape around. Uh, there are some very definite risks with that. If you get cloth too far down the throat, that one of the advantages of that is it, 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 it soaks up. Um, saliva, and when you have a gag in your mouth, you tend to produce extra saliva because your mouth is trying to get rid of the gag. Um, ball gags are what they sound like. So it's a rubber or a foam rubber, rubber ball. Or a plastic ball or even foam ball that fits in your mouth. That's right. And then there's usually leather that helps l- l- um, tie it around your head. You buckle it around the head. Um, there's a lot of drooling with those things. And so a lot of people hate the drool, but they're very effective. Um, 
those are probably the most popular. There are things like the Scold's Bridle, which is a, a metal helmet with a piece that goes into the mouth, um, which is it's usually pretty heavy and it's pretty frightening looking. And mm. so if you want to go gothic bondage, that's a good way to go gothic bondage. We're about three minutes from break. Um, in the last segment, we're going to spend our time talking about um, restraints that don't involve anything physical. Again, if you want, please feel free to call in or write in with your questions, and we'll be happy to answer them. Um, there is no such thing as a stupid question. You can ask about anything. It doesn't have to be about this week's topic. And if we don't get to it this week, we will answer it next week. When we were playing the past weekend, we did also notice the yoke restraint. That's right. So we can talk a bit about that. That was sort of interesting. I'm going to describe that in the next segment as well um, and uh, see what people think of this. Do feel free, even if you don't have a question, write in and tell us about your experience with restraints and what you like about them or what you abhor about them. So we'll be back in a couple of minutes after we hear from the sponsors, and we'll look forward to hearing your ideas then. Explore your deeper desires. Listen, learn, and live sexy here on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. Are you ready for your erotic journey? Join host Lexi Silver every week for SDC's Seek, Discover, Create, The Radio Show. Whether you're new at this journey or well-traveled on the sexual road, we'll help you find your way with guest experts and hot topics about sex, relationships, and your health. You can also connect with the communities of SDC.com for even more advice and discussion. Listen every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. Your sex energy is your life energy. That's a central focus of The Conscious Living Show with Dr. Nancy Sutton-Pierce and her husband, Dr. Mark Pierce. The health of your sexual life is a parameter for your physical, mental, and intimate relationship health. If something is out of whack, by listening, you may be able to identify the problem and fix it. And it's not always about the sex. Tune in to The Conscious Living Show, broadcasting live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. Tune in to talk about sex and sexuality from a man's point of view. The Everything Sexy Show is direct, open, and uncensored discussions, ranging from open relationships to kink, sex parties, and self-love. Hosted by Jamal and Polly Rick, they'll answer your questions, discuss topics you're curious about, and provide a safe forum for perverted and provocative discussions you just won't get anywhere else. Check it out. It never hurts to listen. Everything Sexy, Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and 5 p.m. Pacific on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. This is the A to Z of Sex, featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drlorybethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the A to Z of sex. This week, R is for restraint. And we are in the last segment. And I'm with my husband, Terrence Scott, talking about restraint. Just before the break, he mentioned a... a uh, 
Yoke restraint. Yoke restraint. Yes, I knew I had the word there somewhere. Why don't you describe what that is? Okay. Most people have seen a yoke used for cattle. Mm-hmm. Long bar goes around the neck. When used for restraint, that's not how it works. You have small chambers that your hands go in. You have a larger chamber that your head goes in. That would be fine if it weren't heavy, which mm-hmm. it is. So the restraint part is not just that you are physically locked in. The restraint is that you're expected to keep your head up. Now, and, and if you're going to do something like that, please, guys, be, be aware. Be aware of how much weight you can really carry. Be aware of the strength of back and neck. Because let me tell yeah. you something, those sorts of injuries are no fun. Yeah. And they're very long-term in healing. So They are extremely heavy. Yeah. They are un- extremely unwieldy. Yeah. Not something and, I would recommend unless you are in impeccably good shape. Yeah. And if the person is freestanding, i.e. not being held by anything, any trip or fall could be fatal. Yeah. So really, so it, this- it, it requires an experienced hand and watching at all times. Well, and, and to me, that's something that is interesting to look at, but not fun to play with. Just being, just being serious. I mean, you know, everybody thinks they're in better shape than they are. You, you see people who like slip a disc or whatever it is, a back injury, and you're talking 10 years of trying to sort it out. So um, there, is, yeah. there are certain things I wouldn't mess with. That's one. That's just a personal opinion. It looks interesting. You might want to put your head in it and take some pictures, but I'm not so sure you really want to play with it. Um, not anyway, more than once. Anyway, let's talk about restraint that doesn't involve anything physical. So yeah. probably some of the most fun um, and also potentially most challenging forms of restraint involve not using anything physical to restrain a person. So these are things like um, orgasm denial, where somebody is told that they're not to have an orgasm, but then sometimes that's all it is. You're not allowed to have an orgasm. Okay, that's one level. The next level is you're not allowed to have an orgasm, but we're going to tease you mercilessly. Yes. And push you as close to it as we possibly can. Yes, but you're still not allowed to have it. But you're still not allowed to have it. And then one level up even further is not only are we going to push you mercilessly, we're going to push you to the point where you can't manage anymore. So we're actually somebody's going to force an orgasm. But you that weren't you still can't have that you still can't have, and when you have it, then then there's a punishment. Then you get punished. Then you get punished for having it. So those are sort of three levels of restraint that's coming just from somebody's word. It's a contract you're making with a person. Yes. Then you get things like stand still for a beating, for example. Yes. Stand still and don't move. Yes. Now, this is always an interesting one. And I've certainly been in positions where somebody has said to me, if you can't stand still, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to restrain you. And there was no judgment in that, right? It, it, it didn't matter to the person whether I could restrain myself or I needed to be restrained. They just wanted me to stand still. 
Yes. And so I needed to be able to say, to, to think to myself, can I stand still while being hit with this implement or can I not? And if I couldn't to say, okay, that one's going to be hard for me. Why don't you restrain me? Right? Then there are the ones where you're being told to stand still. And if, and the statement is, if you cannot stand still, I'm going to restrain you. And it's clear that if they need to restrain you, you've failed. You have had that happen to you on more than one occasion. Indeed. Um, and I hate failing. Right. I know. So, so I absolutely want to try and do it. But there are things that I cannot stand still for, period. There it is. No, sometimes that's something, it's, it's, it's essentially a predicament. Um, yes. Or, uh, that is the fun of the non-physical restraint. It's, it's putting you in the predicament. Right. But for some people, it's, they're enjoying that. That's the fun. They like to put you in a predicament where you're, you're not likely to succeed. That's the fun, right? For others, um, the, it's not a predicament. It, it, they're straightforward there are negative consequences because they're going to be pissed if you can't manage it. Yes. Those are not fun for me at all. I, I hate failing. And so predicament stuff like that is, it, it can be fun, but it's good. You know, it's, it's going to annoy me, <laughs> but it can be fun. But, um, but it's worse when somebody actually is, is going to not just punish you, but be angry with you because you weren't able to withstand with to withstand something. And yes. sometimes, Sometimes it's not about how hard you're being hit or, or what you're being hit with. It's about where. Yes. Right? I mean, I've stood still. Um, I've been told to stand still and stood still for um, an actual whip. Yes. Um, for 50 of a whip and not moved um, without being restrained. All of them aimed at my buttocks, right? So all of them in, 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 in the fleshy area of my buttocks. Nowhere else was I hit. Um, and I was able to do that in that particular circumstance. I've, I've also not been able to stand still for somebody's hand, right? So I, it, it's like trying to explain that it, 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 it could be what you can do on the day. But, yes. the, but, the, but the point of that restraint is, is you are being asked to restrain yourself. You are being restrained by the word of someone else, the command yes. of someone else, the request of someone else. And so it is quite. Now, of course, ethical BDSM Mm -hmm. requires that this is not something you just spring on somebody. Absolutely. You don't just walk up to them and go, don't move. No, you need to have a conversation and you need consent. As As with anything, there needs to be a conversation and negotiation and full consent before you do anything like this. Yes. It's certainly something that, that um, in longer term um, power exchange relationships or authority transfer relationships, restraint tends to be far less often physical and far more often by virtue of command or word. Yes. There is a, for, for those of us on the D side of the slash, it is a source of pride when we tell our S, don't move, and they don't. Because it is showing everyone else that the restraint of our word is as strong as chain, leather, wood, stone. 
and that and that's great and it works except when it doesn't and it is yeah. really and it is really important well uh, you have to you have to know your you have to know your person it's not just that it's not just that you have to remember and this is something that people often don't our ability to manage various things changes over time and changes with circumstance that's what i mean by you have to know so for example um, if you haven't gotten a lot of sleep, your pain tolerance will be lower. I bet people don't, don't often think about that. And I actually learned about that in talking with my waxing technician. When you haven't had enough sleep, your pain tolerance will be lower. Being wet lowers your pain, pain tolerance. tolerance. Having um, different hormonal changes can change your pain tolerance. Changes, yes. changes in medication can change your pain tolerance. Yes. Um, practice, being out of practice, right? Which is one people don't think of, right? So if let's say you were um, going to the dungeon every week and every week you were having um, a whipping or a caning, practicing with an implement the same every week, every week, every week, you get better and better at managing that kind of, kind of sensation so you can take a certain amount and then you have a year off for whatever reason right lose a partner have a health problem just get bored and start doing something else you cannot walk back into what you used to be able to manage without practice it will rarely work so it's those sorts of things to be aware of sometimes also warm-ups are are amazing If somebody comes in to strike me without a warm-up, I don't manage well. If I've had a warm-up, I can manage incredibly well. So it's about, it's about pace and it's about making sure the connection there and the energy is there, which is why this form of restraint tends to work better when you know someone well. Yes. Because you're able to do that kind of maneuvering that you need to do in order to make sure um, that you're all on the same page. Can I go back for a second? Yeah, we've only got a few minutes left, so go ahead. Having said that, when you're dealing with the physical restraints, warming up is also important. Yes. Limbering up is important. Stretch. It's not something to go into cold. Trust me, your muscles will not like you for it. Yes. Stretching is a really good thing to do if you're going to do any of these things. Regular stretching. Yes. Is, is a really good thing. And many of us forget to do that. I'm guilty of that. But regular stretching is really useful if you're going to do any of these things. So, yeah, it, it's, just, it's just important to know that if you're going to be doing restraints of any kind for any length of time, you need to make sure that you are prepared for whatever that restraint is going to be. Yep. Which means whoever it is that's doing it needs to let you know what they're going to do beforehand. Right. That's not something you spring on somebody. It just doesn't work. Absolutely. Um, And one last one before we head to the closing, which is um, there are the don't think about this or don't think about that. Now, those are always fun because if you tell somebody not to um, think about pink elephants, the first thing they do is think about pink elephants. So those are a lot of fun. Those sorts of predicaments. That's another kind of predicament when you're asking somebody to restrain what they're thinking about or what they're doing. But by doing that, you're drawing attention to it. So that can be an awful lot of fun. Um, 
Okay, so we are a couple of minutes from close. Thank you very much for joining me, Terrence, and um, all of you for listening. If you have any questions, please, please, please still write them in, and I will answer them. If you've got an idea for the show, please send it in to me. If you're interested in learning more about surrender and you're in the London, UK area, I'm teaching an evening workshop on the 25th of June at Women's Erotic Emporium. Also, on the 24th of June, Terrence and I will have our first DS and BDSM Learning Munch. This group is for people who are involved in a master-slave, owner-property, dominant-submissive relationship or are seeking to be and want to learn more about these dynamics. This will also take place at Women's Store as well. Um, it's uh, £20 pounds per person, and that's to cover the venue rental. And the group is going to happen every two months. Um, there's a limited number of spaces, so check out the details on my business page on the Sexy Lifestyle Network, and links to tickets are there. See you next week when the letter is S, and S will be for surrender, and I will be on location from Los Angeles again. I am looking forward to it. Have a fantastic, sexy, hot week.